If you've got your Bibles with you, I hope you do, sitting on your lap, would you turn to the book of Romans chapter 12? By the way, that's pretty much what you're going to hear uh, for at least the next few weeks, uh, Romans chapter 12. Um, this week, though, I just want to read specifically verse 12. Um, and feel free to read the whole chapter or whatever, but uh, Romans 12, 12, uh, we've been talking about it. Joey's been having your kids memorize it. But be joyful in hope, which we talked about the first week. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Um, and faithful in prayer is what we're going to talk about today. Remember last week, submit to the chaos. This week, faithful in prayer. Um, would I hope that in the end of the time that we have together today, when this time is over, that you and I uh, will walk out not only with a prayer life, which would be great, but with a prayer life that isn't a burden. Because you read, you hear this, you think, uh, I, I feel like I know what's happening. Some of you are like, okay, that's great. I've already got a great prayer life. I pray every day uh, for 30 minutes. I pray every day 45 minutes. Some of you are thinking, well, I pretty much suck at this, so I should check out because I suck at prayer. Um, and I want you to know that on both sides of the spectrum, that I hope by the time we end today that you leave with a grace word from Jesus, that you feel more freedom, more fulfillment, whether you're praying every day or you're praying on no days, that both you can walk out with a prayer life that is full of fulfillment and full of uh, the grace of God and honestly just the gift of God, that, that kind of prayer. If that's what you want and you think that's what I really need right now, then hang on because that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Jesus, would you give us supernatural peace today? And talking about prayer, that's what you, faithful in prayer, Lord. We're praying right now. We want to be faithful in prayer. And Lord, would you do that in our lives and in our hearts today? In Jesus' name, we love you so much. Uh, just take a moment, even in silence. <laughs> we don't think of silence as prayer. We think of it as talking but in those moments, you still speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you're like uh, the rest of the world, but I would assume most of us are, and that is when you get in trouble, when something goes really, really, really bad, that's when you uh, really, really pray, like pray, pray. And when you think about that, there's a, a moment of guilt and shame that sort of come around something like that because I'm not a very good prayer because I only pray when I'm in trouble. Uh, the first time I can remember doing that was in third grade when, um, based upon the uh, poor decision-making abilities of my older brother, who I think might be watching, um, I ended up getting lost in third grade, like lost. Uh, the kind of lost where they're calling out people to try to find me kind of lost. And I remember, I literally remember, I don't know how old you are in third grade. What is that, like eight or 10 or something? Uh, I was walking through this field. I got split, like the thorns in my legs. And I'm praying, crying, praying, God, if you get me out of this, I will serve you for the rest of my life. <laughs> third grade. I don't even know where that comes from at third grade. And I, looking back in life, know that that wasn't the first, like it was the first time I can remember praying it, but it certainly wasn't the last time. I can remember praying it when we were involved in litigation, something I didn't do wrong, but we were sued for it. I can remember doing it. Finances were tight, and we were about to lose a bunch of money on a, I guess I can say, Cademan's call show. God bless you guys. Uh, praying God. We, I, but every time something bad would go happen in our lives, that sort of drives us to our knees, and there's some shame around that. But this 
thing that Paul wrote here, this Romans 12, I think faithful in prayer, this kind of prayer is actually crisis prayer. Okay, We can absolutely have a sermon about being disciplined in prayer, uh, committed to prayer, daily prayer, whatever, but this is not the verse for that. That's not this verse. And here's why I believe that. Romans was written in A.D. 58. And if you guys watch the Expedition Unknown, if you watch all those history shows, you know that in A.D. 54, a new emperor came into Rome. And his name was uh, Nero. And this dude was 17 years old. I mean, uh, my daughter is 18 right now, but I'm trying to think of my daughter tomorrow is the president of the United States. By the way, my daughter would rock at that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but there's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure on it. And in that culture, that was the world that Paul is writing this. Nero uh, was in a culture where in Rome, by the way, they were very tolerant to all religions. They were a polyistic the- uh, society. So if you were any other religion, they were tolerant of that, which is why they were so successful in their uh, conquering, because they would allow local religions to exist. But let me tell you the one religion that they were not tolerant to, Christianity. It was, a, 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 was not a polytheistic religion. So here you've got a culture that was tolerant to all religions except for Christianity. And then in just a few years from when this is written, the patient in affliction, joyful in hope, right? Um, the city of Rome is going to burn down. And what is going to happen is Nero will blame the Christians for this fire. Um, the way that they were at that point, the Christians were very poor. They lived in a ghetto of like uh, Rome. There weren't even that many of them, but that's where they were. And the city burned. A lot of people died. A lot of stuff was lost. And so Nero decided, hey, let's blame. We're not going to blame us. Let's blame the Christians because they're, they've got open fires. The way that they live is poor people. It's their fault. And by the way, in, by that time, AD 64, that's when Peter was crucified upside down. That's when Paul, who wrote these very words, was going to be beheaded because this madman was blaming Christians for something that they didn't do So a society that was tolerant to all religions but Christianity, a society that is blaming Christianity for their woes and the people dying. And by the way, just this last week, New York Times story, the religious right. This is a quote from the New York Times. The religious rights hostility to science is crippling our coronavirus response. 100 percent. That is what that said. And it is a piece that was 100% Christian phobia. I mean, it was a piece that was blaming, uh, there's a couple of guys, women, whatever, doing this and saying that we're all this now because of that. So society being blamed, like you as Christians right now, evangelical Christianity being blamed for what is happening and people dying. I, I only say that to say that that's not new. That's just a trick that's been around for 2,000 years. That's Satan. And in a few weeks, by the way, we'll actually get to see, okay, what do we do with that? And Paul says here, bless those who curse you, feed your enemies, love your enemies. So we have an opportunity and we're going to talk about that. But I wanted to share that, that this is be faithful in prayer was to a church that was under attack, that was uh, afraid, that was uncertain, that didn't know about their financial future. So if you feel like that's us, then these are words that were written 2000 years ago to that church that I think are relevant for us in our church today. Now that said, what does it mean to be faithful in prayer, in a crisis moment like this. I want you to notice something. Um, If you've got, uh, depending what version of the Bible you have, uh, that word is either going to be translated as faithful, which is the New International Version. It might be, if you've got a King James, I know you uh, international fundamentalist uh, people, you've got that King James. It says uh, instant in prayer. Um, The New King James uh, says continuing in prayer. New American Standard says devoted to prayer. Why are there so many words for that? Uh, Because the word in Greek 
proskar tareo. Okay, now I'm impressing you with my Greek language. But the only reason I'm doing that is that that is a word that we just don't have a word for. And it encompasses uh, lots of things that only one word we're trying to do. They do it in one word in Greek. We're trying to do it with multiple words. All four of these words, I think, are words that grab an element of that one word. And so I want to cover each of those words. And I want to build uh, each of those as a wall. If my house will be a house of prayer, Jesus says, then uh, these four walls, you are the temple of the Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit, the house. That means we're to be houses of prayer. I think these four walls are the walls of that house of prayer to you. So let's start with that. We're going to do devoted. We're going to do instant continuing and faithful, those four things, and we're going to hit them pretty fast. You can obviously go back to them, but let's start with devoted. Devoted in prayer. That's Romans 12, 12. It's uh, the New American Standard Version, but notice what it does not say. It does not say devoted to prayer. Now, there are other passages that may say that, sure, but that's not this. In a crisis, devoted in prayer because the devotion, so I'm, uh, I'm married to Shannon, okay? I've been married 25 years. I am devoted to Shannon, okay? But I'm devoted to Shannon in marriage, okay? Marriage is the vehicle in which I show devotion to Shannon. Does, it, does that make sense? Prayer is not what I'm devoted to. I'm devoted to the one I'm praying to. And the, the vehicle in which I show that devotion is prayer, and when it comes from that kind of a relationship, it makes it a whole lot easier than I'm just getting up in the morning and I've just got to do this right and I've got to make it right and I've got to do the right prayer, the right words, the right... That's, that's what it feels like. Which, by the way, Jesus in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer that we're all super familiar with, uh, he actually says, don't pray like the pagans. When you pray, don't pray like the pagans who say all these nice words, they're all flowery and they're negotiating, they're saying, and be like this. And he says... Our Father, like be like a child when you pray. So in that, he actually gives us two kinds of prayer, pagan prayer and paternal prayer, the type of prayer to a father. Pagan prayer is very simple. I'm saying these words, I'm saying them right, and because of that and because I'm doing it right, I deserve an answer. Like I'm negotiating to God. Because I've done it right, then God has to answer me, not based on his work towards me, but on my work towards him. Uh, it's a negotiation. It's, it, it's a, if it was pagan prayer, okay, this is secular, it's irreligious. If I have a job, I get a paycheck. That is not an answer to prayer. That is a, a fulfillment of the agreement. Do you, that's what a pagan prayer is. And by the way, that was the prayer I prayed in third grade, wandering around in the woods. Like, it, in the soul of who we are, God, I don't deserve to be rescued. I don't. But if you do, for some reason, then I will earn that rescue by, uh, by praying right and by praying now and by serving you the rest of my life. That's pagan prayer. But the paternal prayer, the Our Father prayer, is so different. Um, in Romans 8, just a few chapters before this, Paul actually talks about what a, what a paternal prayer would look like. And so famous, you know this passage, Romans 8, verse 15. Uh, he talks about that we're the children of God in verse 14. We've, re we've received this spirit of adoption that we're literally brothers with Jesus and God is our Father. And because of that, we cry out, Abba, Father. It's the, it's the prayer of a little, not even a child, a little child. Which is why, I, go through the Lord's Prayer and think of it as a little child. Give us this day our daily bread. 
for those of you that have littles, um, actually for those of us that have teenagers, uh, when they are hungry, do they say, hey, dad, what's for lunch on Thursday? Hey, dad, what are we going to have even tomorrow? No, they come into the room and they say, I'm hungry. Like, I'm hungry, dad. I'm hungry, mom. And daily bread, it's not even give us our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our tomorrow bread, our daily bread. Is, that's the kind of prayer that a child would pray. That I'm not worried about tomorrow. That I am praying right now for what's happening in front of me as a child. And man, there is something about that. The reason the word devotion matters here is devotion is actually a term of love and endearment. Um, if you see uh, an obituary, I know that's sort of a hard thing to say right now in the climate we're in. But when you see that, what do they say about like a mom or a, she's a devoted mother, a devoted husband? What they're saying is that they're devoted. They love them. It's not about their duty. It's about their love towards that person. That's why devoted to prayer, it's one wall of this. It's not about the duty of getting it right. It's about the devotion of receiving that relationship with him. It's why uh, I love in First John 3, verse 1, behold that he would call us the children of God. Um, if you got a paycheck this week, did you say, behold, I got paid for the hours that I worked in the agreement that I negotiated? No, it's because it's what you expected from it. Uh, if, if you've uh, lived in a house where you're renting from it and you, you pay your rent and you say, behold, I get to live in this house yet another month. Like there's this excitement from it. It's not that at all because it's the negotiation. It's the agreement. It's a pagan relationship. It is a business relationship. It is purely transactional and not relational. If you don't have a behold in your relationship with God, then your prayer life becomes so much more difficult. It becomes so much more of a burden. This past week, everybody's going online and I was watching some Jimmy Fallon from home. And, and what was happening with Jimmy Fallon? His kids are crawling all over him. My favorite podcast, uh, Radio Lab, the, the, the host, he's uh, recording from home and his kid comes walking in the room, little kid saying, Dad, I need the password for Netflix. Like how many times have we heard that? But, but here's why that matters, because in a devoted relationship, a love relationship, you understand Muslims would not pray this way. They're super uncomfortable with that kind of prayer because they think God is great. God is amazing. We could never approach him that way. But understand the Bible is full of that language, too. Uh, mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, the fire coming down, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, you can't even stand in my presence. The Bible is full of that language of a great God. But what Jesus is saying here in our Father, what Paul is saying is devoted in prayer, is who could go into a king's bedroom in the middle of the night for a glass of water and not get killed for it? His son, his daughter. Who could go into Jimmy Kimmel's uh, live, I mean, millions of people are watching. You don't see his neighbor coming in there looking for the password to Netflix, but his children do. And Jimmy's not mad at them. He's not angry at them because they're his children devoted to prayer. That's the idea of it. I'm not devoted to prayer. I'm devoted in this relationship with my father, his relationship to me. And so that I can say, give us this day our daily bread. I can cry out. That's the word, like cry out, Abba. Um, I heard Tim Keller once say that Abba doesn't just mean daddy. It's almost like a dada, mama, like one of those little words that you say. It's a little child kind of word. That's the devotion. The next wall, instant in prayer. That's the King James one, ready in prayer. It's the idea of if you've gone into prayer 
just so you could talk, okay, then you've only got maybe half of it right. Because instant also means about this readiness. So that word uh, in Greek actually has a word of devotion, but also an instant uh, a readiness to it. When Paul tells Timothy uh, to be instant, in season, and out, that's that word. I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, this word is used also in uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You can go there later. But that word is used again when Jesus, remember when we were in Israel, for those of you that were there with us, and we were on Galilee, and it's, uh, there's a moment where John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Jesus' cousin had died, and he was ministering to people on the Sea of Galilee, but he was trying to go to pray somewhere, but the, the crowds kept pressing him towards the sea, and they're like, we're, we can't keep praying for people. But he says here in Mark chapter 3, verse 9, because the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat, Ready, and that is that word, to be ready, to be instant for him. In prayer, the devoted prayer to our Father is a prayer of like, I'm ready for you. to Whatever it is you're going to do today, there's something awesome coming my way. Because when that boat was ready, that boat became a vessel for Jesus to do the ministry that he wanted to do. He only got in the boat not to get away, but he got in the boat so he could continue to do what he meant to do. Crowds around the world right now, there's all kinds of discomfort, all kinds of fear, all kinds of uncertainty and danger. And Jesus is looking for a vessel that he can get in that is ready to do, to continue the ministry to the people that need it. To be instant in prayer is to be ready in prayer. Not to pray instantly. I want to pray right now instant. That's not what it's saying. It's not instant to pray. It's instant ready in prayer for him. Devoted to him. Instant and ready for him. And then the, uh, the old King James, oh, King James, continuing in prayer. That's a word that you see, Acts 1, verse 14. They were all together, uh, I think King James, in one accord, whatever, but they were continuing in prayer. Not continuing to pray, but continuing in their relationship with him to, uh, uh, in prayer. So my, continue to follow him in prayer. That's the promise that he's giving us here. And I think that as we are praying for him right now, again, all around the world, everybody's praying for the same thing. Now, in a pagan prayer, in a business transactional prayer, when I don't get what I ask for, like, so if you're a, a, a lessee and you have written your letter to the landlord of things you need done and it doesn't get done, then you and your relationship with that landlord does not continue. You're not continuing in it. If how many of you, some of you already, maybe you're doing it right now, but you've worked for a, a someone and you didn't get paid. Like you don't continue in that relationship, right? That's continuing is a relationship that in, in the pagan way is if I get what I ask for, then I am going to continue in this relationship. And in this prayer that we're praying to the world right now, the world is praying, God, take away COVID-19. And if he does or he doesn't, is not because I prayed good enough or not. It's because it's his will. When your kids are little, again, and they don't get what they ask for, now they might throw a fit. Of course, my children would never do that, ever. But yours might. <laughs> it doesn't cut off their relationship with you. The relationship isn't severed. They're continuing. They might be mad. They might be sad. They might be. But here's what we, when, with our father, like you might not have got the answer to the prayer that you wanted, but it doesn't cut off your relationship if you're a child because faith in this moment says, I would, uh, I would, this is what I would ask for if I knew everything that you 
new father, that's what I'm getting. So that if I didn't get what I asked for, it's because I didn't know what you know. So I don't know what God is doing. I'm continuing to pray like a child. God, please take this away. And then in faith saying, but whatever it is you're going to do, God, I trust. And I'm going to continue in that relationship because I'm trusting you. I'm continuing in you. And I'm showing that in my in my prayer. Do you see how prayer is so different like this? Like there's no guilt or shame. The world is falling apart. We're all coming to our knees in unity. I know that moves the heart of God. But I'm doing it out of a devotion because I love my father. And if I'm not doing it because of that, then I don't want to learn how to pray harder. I want to learn how my relationship with him as a child and then pray out of that. Uh, I want to be uh, instant and ready in that prayer uh, because he needs us. He's partnering with us. And so in prayer, I'm going to listen and, and hear. There's a whole different way to pray, isn't it? And then I want to be, uh, I want to continue on in that prayer, in my relationship with him in that praying and by the way, can I just give you a, uh, I don't know, pro tip? Let me tell you what I've been doing in my prayer life in the past few months even, and it's really come in handy here. Uh, when I come into a moment where I'm going to pray, I'll actually pull my journal out and I will write down, okay, what am I angry about today? I learned this from Pete Cesaro. I've learned it from uh, Chip Dodd. Like, what am I angry about today? Like, what am I feeling anger around? I'm feeling anger around the media being crazy. Uh, I'm sad. I'm sad for the people whose lives are being lost right now. I'm, I'm afraid of the uncertainty. And by the way, that changes every day. But here's why that I think is important. First of all, if you think that's super weird, go read the book of Psalms and then come back to me and tell me that that's weird. But that's, here's what that does. I'm checking in with God. I'm taking that to him. And when you hear words like Paul, like prevailing in prayer, that's a word he used, or travailing, I'm sorry, in prayer. It's like him sorrowful. And, and by the way, if you're in another culture besides the West, like we're super stoic here. We think that feelings are something that we need to overcome and defeat as opposed to a, something that God has given us to deal with life on life's terms. They're not saying that in Haiti. If you want to know how somebody feels in Haiti, uh, you don't have to ask because they're about to show you. Um, that's true in most countries around the world, but that's not true of us. And so that's to me is just a little uh, a pro tip because it allows me then to be ready because uh, I'm like, OK, now I know where I am. And now I know that if I'm, if I'm sad for the people whose lives are lost, if I'm sad for those who are, don't have a relationship with him, that I'm travailing in prayer uh, for them. It's not about me just making some like uh, show of my prayer pagan style. It's about me saying, I genuinely feel this. I genuinely am sad for this. I'm genuinely scared of this. And God, I'm taking it to you and giving it to you. That's a, a, just the way that I've prayed and it's worked for me. But the last thing, is faithful. This is the last wall, so to speak, of this house of prayer. Faithful in prayer. Not faithful to pray. Faithful in prayer. Again, if I go back to the relationship of my wife, I am faithful not to my marriage. I'm faithful to Shannon. The vehicle of marriage is how I choose to show it. Uh, and by the way, this word is uh, used in the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 13, when Simon the sorcerer has believed and he is baptized, it uh, says that he began to, it says followed, uh, this is the word it's used here in chapter 8, verse 13, Simon followed Philip everywhere. That's that same word, parakaratereo, whatever, how I said it, uh, is the Greek, it's the idea of I follow Shannon everywhere. She doesn't move to College Grove and I stay back here. I'm following her where she goes. We have 
Uh, we have a couple of, well, we have three dogs in our house, which is don't, I do not recommend, by the way. Um, we have one dog named Samson who prays like a pagan, okay? He wants something in exchange for what he gets. If, uh, if he's hanging out with me on the deck, let me tell you what Samson wants is toast, not me, okay? He is looking for breakfast, and the minute I've taken the last bite of food, he is a fair-weather friend. He is gone, okay? That is not a faithful dog, okay? That is a pagan dog. Now, we have a faithful dog named Bear. And Bear follows you everywhere. Not to get anything, just to be near you. And when it says faithful in prayer, I, that's a picture of that in our lives, that going to prayer is me being faithful in prayer to be close to God. And I'm going to say this. The only reason I could do this, the only reason anybody should be faithful to God, devoted to God, instant, all those, is because of his faithfulness to us. It's a weird thought to think that in the same way that we can use prayer as our vehicle to connect with him, that he uses prayer as a vehicle to connect with us. Jesus prayed for his disciples. He prayed, one of my favorite prayers, Father, as you have loved me, now love them. That's a mind-blowing idea. Imagine how much he loves Jesus. And he loves you like that. It's his prayer that is his vehicle to us. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's his faithfulness, not mine. We just, Psalm 91, his faithfulness is our shield and our rampart. It's his faithfulness. It's not how good I can pray. I I wish because then I could make some rules and then obey them, but that's not that. It's about this relationship. His faithfulness to me is why I can then out of that be faithful even to him. And it's not about, because you might be thinking, okay, Darren, but I'm not faithful to him right now. I've not been faithful. And that's such a common thing. And I bet if you were sitting and said it out loud, someone next to you would say, oh, yeah, that's totally right. That's me too. And it's okay because it was never about your faithfulness to him. It was always about his faithfulness to you. And from his faithfulness to us, out of that, then I can literally, because of his faithfulness to me, uh, I can pray to him in a way that's not about getting something out of him anymore. But it's about the, not me pegging and, and negotiating that even if I'm unfaithful, that he is faithful, that he is my sword, he is my shield, that his faithfulness is my rampart, it's my protection, not my faithfulness, not my ability to pray, but the work that he did for us. Man, that's a gift. And the reason that we can know that and we can trust it, because if you're going to be devoted to somebody, if you're going to be instant and ready and continuing in them, uh, faithful to them, this is not about a blind trust. This is about the work that he did for you. It's funny because even pagans repent of sins, right? You could watch that, just watch the news, all the apology videos that came out this last year in the Me Too movement. Tons of people who didn't know Christ were apologizing, right? They were repenting. They repent of their sins. Even they repent of their sins. Only Christians repent not only of our sins, but even of our righteousness. Because in my righteousness of me trying to pray good enough, in my righteousness of me trying to do this right enough, even that is me trying to get into heaven, is me trying to get into a relationship with God based on my faithfulness and not on his faithfulness. And I love what he's done 
in my heart. I pray that he'll do it in your heart. And if you're watching right now and the world is upside down and you're really tired of trying to win this thing, you're just tired because it's not working out. If you put your faith in science, by the way, I'm sorry about that. Uh, not that I'm anti-science, I totally believe in science, but let me tell you what science has accomplished right now. A, uh, a virus that only kills less than 1% of its people that it's infected is shut down the world, okay? If your hope is in government, that's not a place because the government can't defeat this. If your hope is in Jesus, however, because Jesus isn't here to save us from a virus, he's here to save us from our sins. He's here to say that this world I'm going to make new, this world I'm going to change and transform, and I want to change and transform you at the same time. That's who we're devoted to. Sure, we can find medicine. I'm praying that they find that medicine. I'm absolutely, and I believe that they will. Science has done a lot of good things, but the one thing science can't do, the one thing the government cannot do, is save you from your sins, to restore that relationship with God to you. You are his child. If you go back through Romans 1, we're not automatically born as that, right? We're born into sin. And Romans 3, right, it tells us all of sin falling short of the glory of God. And in chapter 6 of Romans, it tells us that we're, there's this giant thing. I can't get back to God. And, uh, and I love it because you get into Romans 8, 9, 10. It's called the Romans Road. That the way that I get into that restoration, into that, is that I receive the forgiveness that Jesus offered me because of his sacrifice, because of his faithfulness that I am now received as a child. And because I'm a child of God, that's why I can pray this way. And you can as well. I want to pray for you right now. If you're watching wherever you are and you say, I don't have that relationship, I want you to have it and I want you to have it right now. And I want to pray for you. And as I'm praying for you, you pray. I don't care if you're in India or if you are in Indiana, but you can pray right where you're sitting to receive Christ, to receive that work, to confess, Romans 10, to believe with your heart, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died, that he resurrected to pay for your sins. Just pray that. You think, Darren, I didn't pray it right. I got good news, Romans 8. He's praying for you already. The Holy Spirit prays on your behalf. So, and if you do that, I want you to email us, info at conduitchurch.com, and we want to pray for you Someone can reach out to you. Someone can either call or email however you want. But as I'm praying this and you pray that, then email us. Heavenly Father, for those that are watching at home right now, I pray that you are uh, reaching through their screens and into their hearts to them. For those that have not called upon your name, for those who have not trusted the receiving work of Jesus, would you give it to us this morning? Give it to them this morning. That they are no longer a pagan negotiating for prayer for what they deserve or what they don't deserve. Lord, know that you, <laughs> that you love them so much that you want them to be your son, your daughter. Wow, what a promise. We pray that that's happening in their hearts right now. And Lord, for those of us that have been believers and we've been praying like a pagan, would you forgive us of that? We repent of that and we come in not as a pagan with a negotiation. We come in as children crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, I'm hungry. Daddy, what, is, what are you going to do today, Dad? I'm ready right now. That prayer is the prayer that we pray today. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.